Hello everyone, you're listening to J Movie Talk, episode 157, as I'll be talking George A. Romero. I've always worked in, in Pittsburgh and now in Canada with a family of people, try to work with the same people. Startup costs are difficult uh, on any relationship. And so what happens is if you, if, if you know the guy, if I know the DP, if I know him well, I can just say, you know, it's one of those, and that's all it takes. And so I love to work with the same people as much as possible. And to that extent, you can have some fun making a film. All right, guys, I am back for a new episode. Um, The reason why I'm doing this episode, well, the topic of this episode, I should say, is because after doing episode 156, where I talked about some of my favorite directors, um, George Romero is one of my favorite directors, and... I decided to just kind of spotlight his overall career, um, similar to what I did with um, John Carpenter way back when on the podcast, where I just kind of, you know, talked about their overall careers. And it's kind of funny that um, the first two directors that I'm kind of doing this with are both horror directors um, and everything. But at the same time, he is one of those filmmakers that even though he gets a lot of shine, he in a way still doesn't really get a lot of shine um so like i said i I enjoy talking about the man the godfather if you will of the zombie um in cinema as we know it today so um getting into talking about mr romero um he was born on february 4th 1940 and passed away july 16th 2017 um he first, of course, came into notoriety for his directorial debut film, um, 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Now, there's been countless, you know, pieces, podcasts, um, documentaries, stories told about this film. So I won't talk too much about it. But um, one thing about this movie that I think everyone always mentions is the fact that the cultural and significance of this movie and what it holds and the weight that it carries and even though it's an older film um it's a shot in black and white and everything it still carries a lot of weight even still to this day um and everything so if you're someone who has never seen the original Night of the Living Dead. I highly recommend going checking it out um, and everything. So, like I said, I won't go too, too much talking about that movie or whatnot um, and everything like that. So, after Night of the Living Dead, he moves on to do some other type of movies. A couple of movies that I never even um, seen any trailers or pre- or anything, clips from and I'm talking about 1971. He follows um, Night of the Living Dead with a movie called There's Always Vanilla. Um, like I say, never heard of it or anything like that. Uh, then the next movie he follows that with in 72 with the movie called Season of the Witch. Another movie never heard of or anything like that. Um, and then in 1973, he kind of sort of comes back to his roots, um, similar to Night of the Living Dead. He does a film called The Crazies, 
Um, of course, it's about a uh, man-made virus um, that kind of goes haywire and causes the people of a small town to become infected and become crazy, uh, hence the title and everything. Um, I enjoy that movie for what it is, and it, it, it has a very good message in it, and it has its own social commentary in it, and oddly enough, it still carries weight um still today too especially right now with everything that's going on with the coronavirus and everything um it's a it's an interesting watch uh there are some scenes in the movie that makes you scratch your head like what the hell am i watching here especially one scene where um where his father and his daughter basically have sex and everything which is completely ridiculous and over the top um but it's, it's it's a good movie. Um, it's not a great movie. It's not one of his better movies. And I know it's someone's getting forgotten when you talk about Romero. Um, they did remake the movie in 2010. Um, and everything. And that is is a fairly good movie as well. I enjoy it. Um, but I think the original movie still carries the the same weight. Um. Similar to what Night of Living Dead does, even though it's not zombies um, and everything, but it still has that same type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I want to say it still carries the same type of um, intensity in a way and just like this whole you know situation is going down and how these people have to deal with, with this certain situation um, and everything. It still carries the same type of weight that Night of Living Dead did. So after that, he follows up with some movie called The Amusement Park, um, which also came out in 1973. And then, in, also, well, still in 73 and 74, he kind of he kind of doesn't do any movies. Um, he decides to kind of do a couple of documentaries. Uh, one is a eight-episode series that he did uh, about um the teams of pittsburgh basically um uh basically dealing with like different sports teams doing like the pittsburgh steelers the pittsburgh pirates and things of that nature um and everything and then (laughs) in 1974 you know the term where you hear about the juice is loose in regards to oj simpson well this is the reason for that term is where George Romero did a TV movie about the one, the only OJ Simpson, the juice is loose. And like I said, I've never seen the movie or anything. Well, documentary, I should say I've never seen it. I I'm going to have to check this out just to see how, how it is. But the fact that that is on his resume, um, just says a lot or whatnot. Uh, um, it'd be interest. It would have been interesting if around that time he was able to get OJ to appear in one of his movies. I think that would have been very interesting if he was able to do that, but he didn't. Um, so after that, he does um a TV special called Magic at the Roxy. Don't have no clue what that is. Then in 1977, he does a film called Martin, which ironically enough. He feels he felt, I should say, that it was his favorite film because it was the only one of his films that he directed that was 
that remained true of what he the vision that he had for the film um and everything and ironically enough i've never seen martin i've I've seen like clips of it here and there but i've never actually sat and watched the movie um so it's definitely one that i'm that i'm still kind of working my way towards watching i just haven't done it yet um but then 1978 he truly comes back to his roots with the original dawn of the dead and it's kind of crazy that this movie is of all the movies that he ever made it's the one that got the biggest critical and financial um success um that you know neither living dead probably should have gotten but um this one kind of reaped the benefits of what night of the living dead did and i mean there's different versions of the movie um extended cuts and the theatrical version um the european version which i actually own all of those because i actually own the whole box set um and everything i got it one year for my birthday actually and i've watched all three cuts of the movie and there's something different about all three versions of the movie but when this movie came out in 1978 it really um had a impact and the social commentary was heavy about this one because of the whole thing about shopping malls and things of that nature um and the fact that it for the bulk of the movie takes place in this shopping mall and how these people deal with you know everything in the shopping mall and and then when everything really hits the fan at the end and they have to leave the shopping mall um it, it, like i say it's one of those movies that is definitely a movie that you have to see and i know some people they enjoy this one a little bit more than um night of the living dead which you kind of should should because this one is almost played more like a i want to say like a comic book um to some degree um or whatnot uh it, it's very more fast-paced a lot more action um and things of that nature it slows down in certain points but it's all very important and i i wouldn't say that i enjoy it more than than um night of the living dead but it is it's definitely up there for me um and everything so after this um he gets into we get into the 80s with him and first movie of the 80s that he does is a movie called night riders which I still have not seen. I've heard it talked about and everything. And I know is, and I know it's on streaming, um, and everything. And it's one of Ed Harris's like earlier roles and everything. And so maybe one of these days, I'll definitely check that one out since it's a little easier to find than some of the other movies of his, um, that I haven't seen. So, and it's, it's, it's funny that he follows, um dawn of the dead with more of an action type of a movie um because ironically enough the films that he was best known for up to this point were more horror movies um and everything so he, he decides to do do a action ish type of movie and then the next year he does a segment with a creep show so he's going back to the horror roots again and then in 85 he completes at the time his dead trilogy which is dead or dead which came out in 85 and i will say this that of the first three dead films that he does i would say that dead or dead has probably the best of the special effects um of these films now in 78 with donna dead that's when he first you know has tom savini start doing the special effects for those movies and it is 
it's still some good stuff but the the blood colorization and like the zombie makeup is very kind of off color and it's not to be taken as seriously what in 85 with what Savini was doing around that time I mean this is some of his best makeup effects and of course he has uh his young um protégés uh K&B effects uh team they're helping out um with the stuff so it is some really good special effects especially towards the end when the zombies take over the the uh underground military base and some of the stuff that they do like there's one scene where dude gets his head ripped off and I swear you cannot tell when it stops being the actor and goes into being the dummy head because it's a seamless transition that you can't really tell. You feel like, well, somebody actually sacrificed themselves for, for the greater good of of filmmaking, I guess. But it's a really good movie um, and everything. And a lot of good performances in that one as well, especially of course, uh, Joe Palato who plays Captain Rose. Of course he always gets mentioned, but I think the true star of that movie is uh sherman howard howard sherman whichever name he goes by since he flip-flops his name around um that plays the zombie bub that's like some of the best acting you will ever see in a movie and it's done more with physical and stuff like that opposed to actually dialogue um so if you've never seen day of the dead definitely should watch that one as well so after day of the dead he does a movie in 88 um, called Monkey Shines about this freaking monkey and I remember I, was, I saw it as a kid and it used to freak me out or whatnot. Um, basically it's about this guy who who's trained a monkey to help him with his uh, the fact that he's uh, paralyzed and and everything and then at some point the monkey begins to develop his has feelings and rage against his new master so then it becomes like a fight between this this uh handicapped man and this little monkey and this movie doesn't get talked about as much but it's one of those movies like it, it, on paper it sounds like ridiculous or whatnot but when you watch it, it's like this is a really good book movie and this monkey that was trained in this is like the little star of this movie especially with all the stuff that he does in the movie and everything so if you've never seen monkey shines i definitely recommend seeing that one and it's been a while since i've watched it so i might have to check it out sometime soon too so that's how romero ends the 80s um then we get into the 90s where he does a movie called two evil eyes which i've never even seen never even heard of until um doing research for this podcast um then in 93 he follows that with uh, the movie called the dark half uh we star timothy hutton and that movie is off the rails crazy especially with the fact that timothy hutton plays this writer and he he kind of develops like this alter ego which is this maniac in a way and when they show like the two sides of him you have the nice well-mannered version of the character that timothy hutton played but then the crazy maniac uh, version is his head is all wrapped up and his teeth is all discolored he just looks a good mess or whatnot but he's like a nutcase and the movie is very interesting um and everything so that's like the last movie that he does in the 90s um really he makes his return he makes his return to filmmaking in uh 2000 with a movie called bruiser which i saw it once and i'm not really a fan of it uh 
it has a good cast um or what and everything but i don't know i just feel like the movie could have been a little bit better than what it turned out to be and maybe it's because he had went away for a long period of time and this was the movie that he decided to come back with because i did read that um after the dark half he did like work on a few scripts and things of that nature that just never got off the ground and it's like hmm that's interesting kind of sucks that you know some of the stuff didn't get off the ground um the way it should have so he probably would have ended up doing more in the 90s but he just didn't because for whatever reason the scripts and everything that he was working on just didn't i guess hit right for studios and things of that nature so he just took that you know extended period of time away from filmmaking and then he comes back in the year 2000 with bruiser and like i say bruiser it's not a terrible movie but it's not a great movie either um so after that five years after that he returns to once again the thing that put him on the map and i'm talking about his dead series with the fourth entry and that is land of the dead which ironically enough has become one of the ones that i watch a little bit more in recent times especially with the fact that you have dennis hopper playing this um trump is character and this whole thing about there's this wall that's been built and the rich people are separated from the poor people and it's very interesting in regards to the hopper character like he's basically like a trump s character especially when you look at how trump is now and then if you look at dennis hopper character in the movie it's like hmm because what there's one thing about george remember he was always like a little bit ahead of the curve when it came to certain social um political type of things or whatnot. he was always a little bit ahead of the curve with in his movies and that's why he was always revered for the social commentary that plays in his movies uh, whether it was directly or indirectly he just seemed to always be a little ahead of the curve with that um after that he follows two years later in 2007 with uh, diary of the dead um which is another one that i don't think gets the um recognition or the attention that it truly deserves especially now with everything being like more with your being online and the internet and things of that nature and one thing that this movie does is that it's one it's all pov shot um and everything but there's a lot of in regards to the internet and social media and and what is true and what is, is manipulated and how it can be spun and things of that nature and so i say once again there he is he's kind of a little bit ahead of the curve with what we know of social media now in 2020 but in 2007 it was still somewhat brand newish and just really starting to take off in a way but he really i would say he he was really ahead of the curve when it came to about like what social media would become and how it can be manipulated to making you believe certain things. So, but then at least you have some people out there who wants to get the truth out and have the truth told the way it's supposed to be told. So I think Diary of the Dead should be looked at a little bit more and remembered um, a lot better than what it probably is remembered for. And then, um, sadly enough, his final film that he made in 2009 was the end of his uh, Dead series, Survival of the Dead. And it's not the greatest movie. It It, it is, I would say, it is the, the least, um, it's not the greatest one. It's not, 
it's not a terrible terrible movie but it's not the it's not on the level of what the others were um for his uh dead series um is it worth a watch yeah i say it's worth a watch but is it one that i i really like to frequent to go back and rewatch? Mm, not so much and it is i would say that it is last of the um of the six films of his dead series it is i would rank it it is definitely number six um and everything and it's just sad that it's the last movie he directed because i'm pretty sure he could have told another dead story um and everything so that's pretty much his filmography but um to kind of go into some of the stuff like some just some trivia stuff about him um some interesting stuff by the way um let's see he was frequently known to cast african-americans as the heroes of his film although the roles weren't usually written specifically for any particular race going against the stereotype of the black character dying early in horror films which is true um i mean going back to night of the living dead Dwayne jones is is revered for being the very first black star of a horror movie and he is and he is the lead of that movie there's no if and buts about that even though you might think that the character of barbara is going to be the main character but no she's not um it is Dwayne jones's being he he just has a commanding presence in that movie and then of course ken foray you know he's he's one of the leads um in dawn of the dead he you know he survives at the end um him and the character friend they survive at the end of that and then the same thing goes for um terry alexander's character in uh dawn of the dead he's one of the survivors and he's probably like the the smartest character of the whole movie even though you have these doctors and things in that nature of the movie but he seems like the the one character who truly you know knows what's going on and how to handle uh everything that's going on so that's always been a thing about uh romero that he he's done stuff like that and and i've always respected that about um the man because there's always been a lot of movies where the black character always kind of gets screwed over as far as a character type in a movie but um thankfully with george romero he never did stuff like that um let's see here now this was something interesting that i didn't even know about myself um he was originally set to direct two stephen king stories that would later turn into television uh, features Salem's Lot in 1979 and The Stand in 1994. Now, if he could have got his hands on Salem's Lot, I think that would have been interesting. Um, I've, I've only seen Salem's Lot like twice um, and don't really remember it too much um, and everything. But if he would have got his hands on The Stand and with some of the stuff that's in that movie, well, I should say that miniseries um, and everything, if it was directed by Romero, I think there would have been certain things played out very differently in, in, in a good way. If Romero would have gotten his hands on, especially with that movie deals with a whole uh, virus outbreak pandemic um, type of situation. So just from that aspect with the whole military, because there's a chunks of the, of the series where it deals with like how the military plays a role in everything. And with what I know of Romero with, um, past movies of his before the stand came out i think he would have really dove deep into certain things like that so it would have been interesting if he got his hands on the, on the stand too um let's see what else here 
Now, this is kind of funny, um, in a way. Uh, at age 19, he worked briefly as a page boy on the set of North by Northwest. Uh, he later said he was unimpressed by Alfred Hitchcock's directing style, while there saying that it seemed mechanical and passionless. Coincidentally, Romero and North by Northwest star co-star Matthew Landau, Martin Landau, died one day apart. So he wasn't truly like a fan of um, Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, directing style which is interesting he uh in 2009 um he became a dual canadian citizen and resident in toronto ontario so he had a he was a citizen of the u.s and as well as was a canadian um citizen henceforth why uh most of his movies uh toward the latter part of his career were canadian productions because he lived in canada at, at that point now, this one would have been very interesting too. Another movie that he was supposed to direct. Originally, he was set to direct Pet Cemetery, um, 1989. But when filming was delayed, he dropped out, and Tom Savini was given the opportunity to direct the film. Savini also eventually passed passed on it. Finally, Mary Lambert stepped in. Now, <laughs> now I think if if Romero would have did 1989's pet cemetery i think that would have been it would have been interesting to see how that would have played out especially stuff dealing with church the cat um and also too like um with gage and maybe lewis and who knows maybe lewis would have been a black guy instead of actually you know being a white guy um that would have been very interesting who who knows maybe it would have been an interracial couple i don't know because romero is one of those type of people who didn't have a problem with taking you know those type of chances with things um he he probably did some interesting stuff with uh pet cemetery and i doubt that the movie would have ended the same way that it ends um or the final version that we see now of how he ends i think it would have been more closer to the book of how he ends where it leaves certain things like open ended in a way i think he would have did that if he would have got his hands on directing that movie um Let's see here. Um, is there anything else I want to mention? Uh, let's see. Uh, when he, uh, some of his influences, he said he has a that he said that. <clears throat> oh, blah, 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 get my words together. When discussing in his influences, he has said that the universal horror classics made a strong impression on him and his favorite horror film as a child was a thing from another world however the film he said made him want to be a director was the red shoes while discussing the directors who made a strong impression on him he said that orson wells and howard hawks were his favorites and i guess that you can kind of see that if you've ever seen any orson wells and howard hawks films you can kind of see where the influences is and that's kind of similar to with john carpenter you can see um the influences of like a John Ford and Howard Hawks is very influential in that of what Carpenter was doing, especially with the whole Western thing. Once, once I found that out about John Carpenter, that um, all his films are basically Westerns and to some degree, you just have to, when you, when you finally realize it and see it, you can see that um, in the films, even though they're masqueraded and they're very, very good in a way, but you can definitely, tell it once you notice from that standpoint and same thing go with um george romero like 
Orson Welles and Howard Hawks, they kind of always, at their time, I would say they pushed the envelope with certain things and kind of put things out there in an interesting way. And Romero, he did that as well with his films. He was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame after he passed away on October 25th, 2017. Um, it would have been nice if he was still alive when he got his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame because he truly did deserve it. Um, like I say, he's one of those filmmakers that I truly enjoy um, because he, similar to Carpenter, he could take a little bit of money or what we consider a little bit of money when it comes to filmmaking and make these um, really good you know, great stories and t well, tell these really great stories uh, and get the most out of the money that he's given. But similar to Carpenter, he, if you throw a lot of money at him, it seems to, I don't know, it's, it's interesting um, how that works. I guess there's just certain people who can do more with less, but we give them more. They, they don't know how to deal with it. Maybe, maybe they don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, really. But that's always the impression I got from him and Carpenter, that they were like the the, the kings of doing more with less. It, it made them be more creative when they had less to work with, I would say. Um, and uh, last thing that I want to mention, he his film Night of the Living Dead was um was selected by the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being cultural, historical, and aesthetically significant. So, I mean, of course, that movie has to be because of the impact that it has. And is, I mean, if you watch the um, documentary Horror Noir, it's talked about quite a bit in that movie in regards to Dwayne Jones's uh, character and how it played a role especially during the time because the civil rights movement was still a big thing at that time and and the fact that i mean the story is always told that when they you know they were driving from Pittsburgh to new york on the radio taking a the movie there they hear on the radio where martin luther king um where he was assassinated and everything how the movie in that moment went from being just a zombie movie to being a black movie, a race movie to some degree, especially with how it ends with the character of being being shot down by the posse at the end. So there's all of that that plays into that movie um, or whatnot, even though it was never set out to be that. But because of certain things that was going on in the world at the time, it changed what that movie was. And I think that's one of the reasons why that movie is still revered as well as it is till today um so that's pretty much it uh about george romero um if you haven't seen some of the movies that i mentioned of his definitely recommend checking them out or if you've seen or if you just kind of heard about certain ones and you, you feel like oh i don't want to see that because it's an old movie because there are some people out there who are like that who don't want to see a certain movie because it is old and it's like really but that's i saved that for another uh discussion on the podcast or anything like that um so i want to thank you guys for listening to this episode um of course you can find me on the twitter at jmovietalk um as well as um instagram at jmt podcast if you have any suggestions for me um in regards to the podcast episodes or anything like that you can also email me at jmovietalk at gmail.com let me know um like how i'm doing on the podcast if there are certain movies or you know, actors or certain, you know, anything that you would like for me to do on the podcast, you know, just hit me up, let me know. And I will try to, you know, do
two episodes about that. Um, so episode 158, I haven't really decided what I want to do yet. Um, but uh, when you when I figure it out, you guys will know as well. Uh, Cause like I say, I'm I'm just kind of I'm just kind of stalling until I get to May because May, um, like I say, it's going to be the third annual uh, May action month on the podcast. So like I say, I already have that set, but between now and then i'm just kind of you know doing episodes just to keep stuff going with the podcast and everything like that and and little things like that also too you can find all of the episode of uh movie talk as well as the grand slam podcast the three and out podcast uh the for frodo podcast whenever they decide to do another episode also the tv zone podcast so uh, we should be making a return at some point hopefully um but um, you can find all those episodes, all the podcasts and all episodes are part of the TV Zone Podcast Network, um, which host site is Anchor. But of course, we're on Spotify, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher as well, and a host of other um, podcasting apps. If you just type in TV Zone Podcast Network, I'm sure it'll just come up. You can find all of the content that we have for you guys. Um once again, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode, and I will be back for episode 158. Peace.